and welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, I am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical and the Glacially Musical YouTube channel. Now that I learned that you can change the name of your YouTube channel. And with me, as always, is Duncan Evans of Duncan Evans Music and recently put out an album as Moonlow. How are you doing today? Hey, hey, hey. I'm all right. It's been um, a kind of miserable day, but I've been out for a walk, uh, for a social distance walk with a couple of other people um, to some nice scenery in the Yorkshire Dales, which is a beautiful part of the country nearby. So that's been all right. Um, yeah, everything's good, really. Glad to hear it. Um, before we get going too much farther, wanted to throw something in. Uh, some podcasts say what they do. So, um, as Duncan says always, you know, we remember what everyone else has forgotten. The goal of this podcast is to find the albums by your favorite bands and favorite artists that you've never heard of and teach you about them. So that is what we are doing today. We are now going to scope uh, also. Uh, shout out to, of course, the Dumb and Dumbest podcast featuring yep. friend Curtis Dewar and Matt Bacon and Keefe of Ghost Cult, whose last name I cannot pronounce. Shackles. And Darren at the Fourth Line Voice podcast. If you are into hockey, hockey fighting, or even just the history of minor league hockey, which is this shrouded den of secrecy it is a great way to learn more about it and i have been listening back to our podcast to see how we sound and i have felt like lately i have sounded like i needed a drink of water so instead of a soda i'm drinking water today there you go if it works it works and i've got some turmeric tea here yeah uh, which is one of my uh, daily rituals is a cup of turmeric tea I missed that, Nick. Sorry. Oh, our, our good friend Curtis keeps telling me I need to start drinking turmeric tea. Yeah, he recommended it to me and a couple of other people did as well. So I, I tried it. Yeah, apparently it has anti-inflammatory properties. And I have to say, since I started uh, drinking it, my aches and pains that I have various, various, not, not particularly bad issues, but various issues that I see a chiropractor for and things like that uh, with my back and stuff. They, they've improved now. I mean, it may be a coincidence, but um, they've definitely improved significantly to coincide with me drinking the turmeric tea. So who knows? And I quite like it. So, so it's fine. All right. Curtis has never told me about an anti-inflammatory property of this stuff. One, do you have like joint pain, like knee pain? Cause I do, I have serious knee pain which is actually so bad we're considering moving into a smaller house. Oh, wow. Um, well, yes, it's a, a Google it. Google it. Yeah, anti-inflammatory properties of turmeric are uh, big. Yeah, for me, it's not so much the knee. I do get occasional knee pain. For me, it's um, like my hands from guitar playing. There's a few issues there. And it's my back. So it's really my hands and my back. Um, but sometimes it can it can kind of go a bit wrong and I'll go through a bad patch where it's sort of everywhere. And it's like my neck, my shoulder, my back, my hands, my arms, because it's all connected. Um, the chiropractor is great for that stuff as well. Um, don't know about for knees, probably, probably. But yeah, but um, but the turmeric seems anecdotally to help with that. Certainly people, a lot of people recommend it and it's definitely got anti-inflammatory properties. So I, I'd give it a go. I think you can't really go wrong. Is it actually tea or is it an herbal tea? 
No, it is, it is literally a teaspoonful of ground turmeric with boiling water. There are different variations. You can add ginger. Some people say that that makes it even better, I think, for anti-inflammatory uh, issues um, or properties. And people add pepper, people add... I think there's a version of it called golden milk, which is like with soya milk or some kind of vegan milk and sugar and things. So there's all sorts of variations, but I quite like the flavor as it is. Um, so I just have it with boiling water. There's a gunky bit in the bottom. It doesn't really fully dissolve into the water. It's sort of a suspension. So what you have to do is when you're about to get to the bottom part of the cup, you have to stir it round. And uh, yeah, otherwise you end up with what, what looks like sort of, I don't know, um, what looks like quicksand basically in the bottom. So there you go. Uh, the, the residue of really, really old English beer. Yeah, 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 basically, yeah, yeah. But exactly. anyway, um, thank you for that. I also want to say thank you for introducing me to the Mighty Boosh. In the, oh, yes. Between the times we have spoken, because we took a week off, I actually watched all three, it's three series, three series of the Mighty Boosh. Mm. And mm. I saw little bits of it back in the day when it was newish on a channel called Adults, on a, the Cartoon Network, they have a, a, an adult programming block every night. It was on that, it was on Adult Swim. And I yeah, we, we have, um, I think it's our Channel 4 over here, has a segment where they play all the um, Adult Swim stuff. So yeah, I know, I know that. Yeah, Rick and Morty and all that. Oh yeah, and I hated that show back then. But <laughs> now, older and it's at that time. I mean, I like English humor. I always have, but it's older things: Monty Python, Red Dwarf, Fulty. You know, yeah. And then since then, I got into you know Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, which that show yeah. very much to me surrealist version of what those two guys do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it also yeah. six or seven episodes to notice that basically the whole cast is four people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. That's Which is it. Pretty amazing. But yes. obviously, we are here to talk about, since we are now on the English train, <laughs> we're here mm. Def Leppard. And mm -hmm. this is an album that, and I'm not the biggest Def Leppard fan in the world, but I was a I, I was a pretty big enthusiast uh, at a young age during the pyromania <laughs> days and a little bit into hysteria. Mm. But this is after that. This is their sixth album released in 1996. So yes, think about it's almost 20 years after they formed. And this is only their sixth album. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that's not that prolific. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. So look, so you said you, you're not the biggest fan in the world. I mean, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not a massive Def Leppard fan. I'm going to be honest. Um, I know the classics. I, I don't, I'll be absolutely honest, I don't think I've probably sat down and listened to a whole Def Leppard album. Um, I mean, you know, I know I know the classics, like I say, I'm just looking now at the uh the the Pyromania track list, and yeah, you know, I know quite a few of those tracks. <clears throat> um seen some documentaries where they've been featured and things like that, but and, you know, they're not really for me. They're, they're a bit too poppy for me. Um, but anyway, so I'm coming at it from a very, very much the perspective of an outsider. I'm not 
Um, I don't really consider myself to be part of uh, the, you know, the Def Leppard world, if you want to call it that. Um, because the the loss of the Rick Allen's loss of an arm, the drummer. Yeah, Rick Allen. Yeah. Savage is the bass player. Rick, when he lost his arm, the band changed dramatically yeah. because he was a John Bonham, Keith Moon style, heavy hit drummer. And then all of a sudden, and... You know, more all more power to him. All all props, no complaints. He worked at creating a new system where he could keep going and being the literal drummer. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I don't like it. The whole so when you say they're poppy, yes, they got their next album, Hysteria, which took five years to record because during wow. that was the accident. It took five years yes. to record that one, and it was extraordinarily poppy. Yes. Then the album after that was Adrenalize, which was even poppier. And yeah. then, is that right? So it's. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm just looking now. And then Slang is the one after that. Yeah, Slang. So yeah, and Slang was, and that was four years after Adrenalize. Yeah. There's yeah. three albums in like two years. And then yes. everything was, you know, long periods of time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's it's um, interesting and notable that you've just mentioned the, uh, the, the, the drummer, Rick Allen. Um, so, yeah, basically, when he lost his arm, as I understand it, they incorporated a lot of electronic drum pads into his uh, kit, which many of which he could trigger with his feet so that he could still do the same sort of things he would have done with two hands, but using one of his feet um, instead of one of the hands and then and then i believe after a year or so they were they moved to a completely electronic drum kit with the the drum pads um and no acoustic drums at all i think there's some videos of them with the those kind of hexagonal mm -hmm. uh big plastic um yeah v drums uh but for this record they wanted to do it a bit differently apparently so so there's a quote here which is um from uh, Savage, whose first name I've come... Rick Savage, there we go, sorry. Bass player Rick Savage. And he says, if I can just find the quote, um, somewhere, 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 I've lost it now. I'll here we go. So he says, we got so sick of recording the old way, we didn't want to do it anymore. We wanted the music to be more personalised and let the character of the individuals come out. And part of that... This is not the quote anymore, by the way. This is me now. But part of that was that um, Rick Allen reverted to playing a semi-acoustic drum kit. So I think he still had drum pads as part of it, but um, uh, uh, there were a lot of actual physical, real acoustic drums in there as well. Um, yeah. I think for the most part, he... I think he had a snare. Sure. Like a, a real snare. Mm -hmm. We all know how that, that computer, we all know how that synth snare sounds and nobody likes it. <laughs> hmm. But I think, but yeah, he, he went completely, not only did he go completely electronic, but it was also triggered. So like when you see him live, you know, he can do the doo -doo 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 down the toms because he can't do it. They couldn't yeah. have a system where they could do that. But what he can do is he can click a trigger with his left foot. Yes, exactly. Anyway, it's, that's neither really neither here nor there. Um, yeah. We are now getting into what I consider to be a lost era 
for Def Leppard, as I'm sure anyone does. This is an album that is so forgotten that it wasn't even mentioned in there behind the music just a few years later. Hmm, wow. I mean, yes. This happened, and then they kept going. But it's... Yeah, so so um, Vivian Campbell says, we knew we couldn't make a typical Def Leppard album in the mid-90s. I think this is Vivian Campbell's first actual full album with them. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. He did a tour for Adrenalize, but he did not play on it. Phil Cullen did, because Steve Clark was on some of that one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Phil Cullen did his best Steve Clark impersonations to fill out the album. Sure, sure. Oh, but yes, this is this is Vivian's first first album, and I mean, honestly, most of his albums are pretty forgettable with that Leopard, but that's besides the point. Yeah. So he said, "We knew we couldn't make a typical Def Leppard album in the mid '90s. Grunge was very much was very much happening at the time, and our stuff was anathema at the time." Um, uh, yeah, and then he actually says that he thinks they could have actually gone a bit more classic Def Leppard with that with this album but they decided to go no you know they decided to keep it raw as he's as he says um which yeah okay that's one take on it I mean I suppose perhaps it's rawer than um a lot of the 80s Def Leppard stuff I mean I wouldn't describe it as a raw album myself when, really, when but anyway left it raw and I'm like what's on I, I missed that <laughs> yeah it, it, yeah, and he says things like, oh, no backing vocals. And it's like, well, hang on, it's full of backing vocals. It's full of harmony vocals. Um, and it so, doesn't have that giant Def Leppard chorus, though. Yeah, I guess that's what he's referring to. It's that really, really big Def Leppard sing-along chorus, I suppose. It's, uh, that's not there. It doesn't feel... I'll give him it. It's a little looser than a standard Def Leppard album, but that's because Mutt, God love him, worked them like dogs until everything was perfection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's the same with Metallica. They would play a song until it was 100% perfect, and that's what Def Leppard did, which is why it took them so long to make make albums. But it's so it doesn't feel that way. It it definitely and it. It's important to mention, as you did, this is 1996, and we are at what I would consider to be the tail end of the original grunge era. This comes. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, we've got to remember that grunge actually started in the late 80s, but I guess it didn't become. I guess grunge became mainstream in like the early 90s with when Nirvana with Nevermind knocked um, Appetite, not, sorry, knocked Use Your Illusion by Guns N' Roses off the number one spot in the album charts. I guess that was the moment when grunge became mainstream. And was that 92 or 93? Yeah, there we go. So, so yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, by 96, we were already starting to really get into the very, very, very early stages of the whole new metal thing that followed, mm-hmm. uh, that followed. But I, I guess the big guys um, took a little while to catch up, you know, the big 80s rockers. Yeah, and one of the things that we have mentioned and will probably continue to mention forever, especially considering the stuff I know what we have on our list to cover, the 80s were a very strange time for the 70s icons. Yeah. 90s were a strange time for the 80s icons. Yeah. 
love Def Leppard or hate Def Leppard, they are an iconic band from a movement. They yeah, are for sure. they glam metal, hair metal, whatever term you want to call it. Happy metal, as Ozzy Osbourne referred to it once. They mm-hmm. were, you know, on the vanguard of that movement. And Joe Elliott hates that because he felt, you know, Led Zeppelin wasn't part of a movement. They're just Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Well, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> but so now you've got them. And as we discussed, Kiss, Kiss's Carnival of Souls a couple of weeks ago. It's the same kind of thing. You've got this band that has always been a pop band trying to remain popular. So they made some changes. Yeah, absolutely. And before, and I think we're ready to go into the track by track, but before that, I want to say if you, the sponsored segment for Doer PR, if you were looking for some uh, uh, public relations specialist who is going to work hard for you, get you, do his best to get you coverage, who has great relationships with journalists, Curtis Dewar at DewarPR.com is where, is where to go. Yeah, for sure. And I've used Curtis for uh, my album as Moonlow. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he did a fantastic job getting me lots of interviews and reviews and all sorts of stuff like that. So highly recommended. Now, I'm going to ask you, and I should have mentioned this before we started, my stream of this was weird. So I don't know 100% that I heard all the songs and I don't know that I heard them in order. Okay. Not that I think that matters based on the, the source material, but if you could start on each one and name the track, we'll go that way. Yeah, there was a deluxe edition released in 2014 and my stream um, had, was the deluxe edition with all 30 tracks just uh, just crammed together. Uh, so there's like an extra few tracks on disc one, then there's a whole disc two. So it's the first 11 tracks of the actual album, the original album, and everything else after that was uh, was superfluous. But I don't know if that's the same one that you had or not. That's not the one. I, I couldn't find one that was just like a blob like that. I had to go through a playlist, and I know some of it was missing, and I know some of it was Okay. I thought I'd be able to find, you know, but I couldn't, so... When you are ready, go ahead. Okay, well, I'll read the tracks out. I'll read the tracks out. That's cool. Okay, right, so track one is called Truth. Is that what you've got there? Yes. That one seems sludgy, slower than what I expected for Def Leppard, plotting, you know, it, and I, I, this is going to be a common refrain for me on this one, is it's, it's a very different kind of song than what I expect or want from Def Leppard. And it's it's really odd, and that's for the most part. That's all that really stuck with me is wow, this is this is different. Yeah, for me, this was the most undef leopard. Well, there might be one other, but this was one of the most undef leopard songs on there. I've actually written it sounds nothing like Def Leppard. Like I wouldn't have guessed this was Def Leppard. Um, so in the chorus, there's that vocal hook that has distortion all over it. It's almost a bit industrial sounding, um, very 90s, very alternative rock. You've got this kind of funky groove um, that maybe points to bands like Stone Temple Pilots and 
I don't know. Although it was quite in vogue to be funky then, wasn't it? I guess you had Rage Against the Machine, the heavier end, and then that led into the whole new metal thing with bands like Korn. Like to mix heavy music with funky music was was very much a thing in the nineties. Faith No More being one, Fishbone, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh yeah, and yeah, guys like Mike anyway. taking the bass to a new because up at that point in time there were very few bass players in heavy music that were really doing anything it was just you know supporting role and you got mike and Nez out there and i want to say the guy from skid row was actually pretty good at that too but yeah yeah so there's definitely there's definitely a lot more bass guitar on this record than there's ever been on any Def leopard album yeah yeah so yeah um i've put it's not bad fun for sort of 90s commercial heavy alt goth rock if that's a thing then you know it's it's fine it's, it's a bit too commercial and polished for me um, but I can appreciate that it kind of fits a mold and within that it's pretty good. Um, but just nothing like Def Leppard at all. Um, you should call the kind of music you're describing proto new metal. Yeah, I think that's kind of it. Yeah, it's like new metal without as much of the really heavy metal. New metal before it had been mixed with the kind of extreme metal, I guess. This is like, so, it, it's, there's definitely some Alice in Chains, there's definitely some Ministry, and there's definitely some Def Leppard. Yes, yes, absolutely. You've got the ingredients there to, to really move on into corn and Limp biscuit and stuff like that. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, okay, so kind of an all right start, a bit odd, but quite good for what it is. Then we move on with track two um, to turn to dust. Um, so I don't know if you had this one as well. Yeah, same. Cool. Do you want to? Do you want to go on this one? Sure. You know, it's this is, you know, this song is definitely going in the exact same vein, following the same path as the previous one. You know, Def Leppard's never been a fast band, but they've never really done this mid-tempo kind of thing. It was either slow or up-tempo. And so it's all this mid-tempo slog. And as this goes yeah. on, it makes a lot of the songs just really <clears throat> in for me. I know what you mean. Yeah, I've put for both of those, the first two tracks, Steady Funky Groove. It's that funky thing again, Steady. Um, I've put the, so this one started with some, some Indian Eastern type of sound. I think you've got an instrument called the Sarangi, which is a, a bit like a violin. It's a bowed instrument. Um, yeah, you know, it sounds kind of cool. Um, very on Def Leppard. Um, but then by the time we get to the chorus, I thought actually it did sound a bit more like Def Leppard. Um, so I've put it kind of sounded like Sergeant Pepper era Beatles, where they went a bit Eastern, combined with '90s rock, combined with Def Leppard. Is it just me, or is it every metal band of any stripe? When and, and rock bands to a point too, when they run out of ideas, they start dipping into the sitar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it can be. It can be, of course. Um, yeah, but there's, 
yeah, there's a drone thing in there as well, which which may well be a sitar. So yeah, absolutely, it's, it's that type of thing. It's very Spinal Tap, you know. It's yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Not a great song. It just it was kind of there. I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, then we move on to the to the title track, Slang. So did you have this one next as well? No, I got that at the end. That was what right. the last song I heard. Yeah, no, this was actually track three in the uh, the original track listing. Yeah, that's um, it was that order. <laughs> uh, yeah. That song was stupid. <laughs> it's weird, man. It's it's very weird. It sounds like Prince. Basically, it sounds like Prince mixed with Def Leppard. It's weird. The thing about Def Leppard for me, one thing, I guess I should say, I wouldn't call them poetic or lyrical geniuses. No. But I have never gone away from their song going, what in the world are you talking about? Mm -hmm. This one. Oh, yeah. I mean, the lyrics, I just, I literally genuinely don't understand them. I, I don't know what it's trying to say. Um, I don't, I don't, it, it, I, I mean, I know what the word slang means, but in this context, All I, it's like they've made the word slang, slang for something else, when I do not know what it means, genuinely. Yeah, because it's Def Leppard, but they also have, that I'm not gonna, you know, get into specifically due to the nine-year-old sitting next to me. Um, yes. Maybe that's where they were going, you know, classic Def Leppard stuff, but it makes no sense. It just it really doesn't. Yes, yeah, slang with me. I mean, what does that mean? We just like use words that you know, like slang words. Like I don't know, what's a slang? I can't think of any slang words now. But yeah, I just don't understand it. Yeah, um, everything for them is Smurf this, Smurf that. You know, maybe Def Leppard. It's like everything they say means Smurfing, rather than yeah. meaning everything else. Just an idea. Yeah, throw that out there. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I think um, that particular song is best left forgotten. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's strange. I mean, what I would say is that we're getting slightly more into the classic Def Leppard sound in places. Um, I've put that it sounds like '80s Def Leppard mixed with Prince, actually, to be specific. Um, oh. And there's this bit where they do "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and I thought. That's Def Leppard. I think it's just before the chorus or something. So, yeah. When I got to that one, I was... Never mind, moving forward. Next song. <laughs> sure, so we're on All I Want Is Everything. Oh, God. Yeah, I got that one next. This is... You know, you're saying slang sounded more like 80s Def Leppard. And I'll mm -hmm. give you that. This... Is like taking '80s Def Leppard. If if '80s Def Leppard were Play-Doh, and sticking it through the Play-Doh, you know, the, the tube maker to make it make '80s Def Leppard come out in a '90s filter, that is this song. It's yeah, it's it's definitely a power ballad, but then it's it the dissonance of the '90s. You know, it's that, that those dissonant arpeggios that Kurt Cobain used ever so well and. Then it's like a guilty love ballad, so it's a it's a depressed power ballad. 
Yeah. That shouldn't. I mean, sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a power ballad. I put it's a, it's quite Bon Jovi for me. It sounds quite a lot like Bon Jovi, who are in the same category as Def Leppard, I guess. Agreed. But um, I don't know. For me, it's a bit lightweight. The ca- the catchy chorus harmonies are a little bit boy bandish for me. Um, sorry, I keep cutting you off, Nick. Oh, it's when Def Leppard or when when in the eighties when Def Leppard does one and or when Bon Jovi always did one, it's this uplifting, happy, let's all sing together. And this is like, uh, let's all be sad together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know how to be sad and, yeah. Yeah. I've put the solos quite good. You know, it's just a, I mean, it's quite good. You know, it's a standard rock ballad type of solo, I guess, guitar solo. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just it pushes it too far. With the, with I, I get it; those sort of catchy chorus harmonies um, probably were what you needed to do to sell records in the nineties if you wanted to be commercial. But to me, it just they just sound too much like Take That or Boyzone. I don't know if you have those bands in the US, but the Backstreet Boys would be the equivalent. Oh, I guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. To me. Yeah. This one is just a bad song. It's messy. It's pandering. And the pieces don't make a puzzle. That's that's the best way I can put this one. Yeah. Yeah. It outs, which I don't know if that's what you had as well. Uh, what's next? Work it out. Work it out. Work it out. Uh, I don't have any notes on that one. Okay, well, that's a shame in a way, because um, actually I thought this was the best track on the album. Um, It's a bit prog rock. Sorry, Nick, I missed that. A a couple of songs after, you know, here, I just kind of wrote down, I'm not really taking notes. This is just not gripping me and able to really discern so it's i'm gonna have there's a couple like and this is one of them that i just don't i don't have any good notes on yeah no fair enough fair enough um i quite liked it it's another steady funky groove you've got this timed tremolo effect on the guitar which is quite cool actually it gives it a textural sound so to illustrate what i mean if anyone's heard um how soon is now by the Smiths? That time tremolo effect at the start, where the guitar seems to cut in and cut out, type of thing. You've got that going on, um, and it's a bit prog rock in the vein of later Rush. I've put so quite uplifting and melodic, but with a few complex layers interweaving. Um, so yeah, it's, it is quite poppy, but I've put that it's a good song, and it just has that little bit of complexity. And of um, I don't know prog prog rock credibility that just elevates it past the level of just trying to be a catchy pop song. Um, so I liked that one. I have no memory of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We'll, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, so track six is "Breathe a Sigh." Did you have that one? No. I don't have that one either. Okay. So that's another ballad. It's, um, yeah, there's some good bluesy guitar licks. I I think I started to do the same thing as you on some of the tracks. 
I didn't take too many notes on this. You've got like classic ballad production. So you've got all the tropes, like you've got that finger click sound, but the really processed kind of reverbed, um, you know, multi-person layered finger click sound um, instead of a snare or as well as the snare, lots of harmony vocals. It's just a ballad. It's I wouldn't even quite say it's a rock ballad. It's kind of just a pop ballad. It's, you know, it's okay. It's not for me really. It's hysterical to me, and this has nothing to do with Def Leppard, but it's hysterical to me that there's this this finger snap sound that you just described, and I'm sure everybody listening to this knows exactly what you're talking about, and the fact that they had to make this sound. And I think it's only been made one time. It was made like in 1978, and it's like gold <laughs> has used that sound, and it just, it just cracks me up, this over-processed, crazy snapping finger sound that we've all heard so many times. And I don't think anybody likes it ever. I cannot think of a song where I heard that went, yeah, it's good, but sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. I, th I think it works for very commercial music. Um, I actually, I, I, you know what? I think it, I think the people that probably like it are probably not the people that would analyze it enough to even know it was there, if that makes sense. I think it works well on kind of mu music for people that aren't really that into music, you know? Yeah, um, music not love it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, fine, each to their own. Um, so then number seven is Deliver Me. Did you have this one? Yes, this one to me, it's, you know, as I mentioned previously, and I apologize for the redundancy, and I'm trying to come up with new ways of saying all these songs sound the same to me. And all these songs are Def Leppard trying to fit into something that doesn't work for them. I, it's, it's, yes, it's very much, it's very different. It's definitely, it's different than everything else that they had done before this album. It fits very well into this album. I really like, there's a great bass melody on this one. And that yes. I really got into, because I, I like the idea of the bass guitar being more than just just the foundation all the time. You know, I love bands like Rush and bass players like Cliff Burton and Flea and Lindsey mm -hmm. Collins and even Noel Redding and Steve Harris, those guys. I love those guys. And Rick Savage here. Rick Savage? Yeah, Rick Savage had never done anything like that. So here we yeah. have a little bit more of him coming out of his shell. And I like that. That's all I got from this album or the song. It's I don't remember anything else. Yeah, so it starts off uh, kind of dark balladish, but then it goes a bit more classic metal in the chorus. So this was definitely, I would describe this as metal. Um, not extreme metal by any stretch, but uh, definitely riffy metal. <laughs> um, yeah, again, steady driving groove. The one th there's some psychedelic guitar effects. We make it a bit 90s. There was that whole 90s thing. I don't know, I guess bands like Soundgarden with Black Hole Sun, um, just uh, borrowing from that psychedelic sort of production from the 60s, but updating it. There was quite a bit of that sort of... Um, what do you want to call it? Neo flower power stuff going on in the nineties, which uh, they seem to be just borrowing from here. Um, I also um, noticed just, it made me laugh. And I had to look the lyric up and um, there's this lyric, taste the ice on your breath. Um, but the, <laughs> the way they sing it, taste the ice on your breath, you know, they don't sing it quite like that, but, 
basically it sounds like i know you've got your nine-year-old next to you but anyway it's it sounds like some taste there's something else on your breath and it just made me laugh and uh yeah i had to google the lyric because I, I i just i didn't know what it was saying apart from uh the the humorous version of that so there we are the thing about this album there's a lot of songs like you know there's there's a title there's a track blood runs cold deliver me gift of flesh and yeah. you know you look at these you, you look at these i look at these titles and it makes me think that Def leopard was the band i thought they were when i was eight hmm. rock of age is like oh so metal and you get a little older you're like not really and so then but they so they've got these really metal titles and they don't know what to do with them once they get there yeah absolutely yeah i think that's right i think that's right um okay okay let's let's move on so we've got track eight gift of flesh so did you have this one yes 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 okay this one starts it's like a big bang of deaf leopard just a deaf leopard exultation all over everything and then oh crap this is grunge and they gotta pull it back they gotta pull it back <laughs> that's what i got for that song it's yeah it's it's a bit heavier it's actually quite fast ish medium fast i think it's probably the fastest track on the album yeah um, yeah i've put classic hard rock slash metalish catchy melodic uplifting some riffs and there's a pretty cool metal solo you know it's it's a bit too um a bit too melodic and um uplifting and polished and yeah and mainstream i guess for the sort of metal that I'm into, but but yeah, you know, it's it's all right, it's okay. Agreed. I'll save it for the sum up. Never mind. Just remind me to bring up Carnival of Souls again, so I don't. Sure. Then, um, track nine is Blood Runs Cold, and you, I think you had this one. Yeah, my only thought on this was: is this even a song? <laughs> it's. It, it just feels like you got four guys in a room and. One guy has a vocal melody and the other guys are trying to figure out their parts and they just recorded it and threw it on the album and didn't tell anybody. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I've only got one line written for this as well, which is rock ballad in the vein of Aerosmith's latter era ballads. But kind of, I didn't have anything else to say about it. It's just, it's like they followed the My First Rock Ballad um, instruction manual. You know, it's, it's fine, but it, it's totally forgettable. Hang on, hang on. Let me uh, translate that joke for American listeners. Um, it's like they use rock ballads for dummies. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And it to me, it just sounded like they had an idea that wasn't that wasn't done. And this is where I'm at the. This is where my next note is that I'm only. I'm not even writing down the titles anymore at this point. It's just whatever, if, if the song is something else was at this point, I've got one more note here. Let me read you the whole rest of my notes. Uh, where does love go when it dies? Mm -hmm. Which frankly is the dumbest title I've ever heard in my life. Uh, that is even dumber than Kerosene Hat by Cracker. But it, this song is just, my, my notes are this, so much bleh. It's just, it's just... Yeah, yeah, it, it's another rock ballad. We've got at least two too many so far. 
Well, and Def Leppard has always done kind of like ballady things. You know, you've got Rock of Ages, which is a ballad. You've yeah. got um, uh, Bring It On The Heartbreak, which is an amazing ballad. <sighs> yeah. I, but I but just, just forgettable. This is the problem. Yeah. Well, how are you going to strike gold? I mean, what grunge ballads are there? What modern 90s rock ballads are there? Yeah, absolutely. There, There's not that I can... I can't think of... I mean, I guess Polly by... By Nirvana, but there's nothing. I wouldn't call that a ballad, but I know what you mean. You know, it's this is very much an album in the vein of Soundgarden, in the vein of Alice in Chains, written and recorded by a group of people that have no clue how to do it. Yeah, I think that's right. They they didn't fully commit um, in the in the way that actually you were talking about Carnival of Souls. Kiss really, for the most part, committed to that new sound. Um, oh. That they really went for it with that different sound, with with the, the sort of grunge sound. Whereas here, Def Leppard, it's like they still want to be Def Leppard, really. So they they veer towards the '90s grungy rock sound on some songs, then they go, actually no, let's just write an '80s rock power ballad. That's, I mean, exactly right. That is that is the point I was going to bring up. That's you know when I said bring remind me, that's where I was headed. You've got Def Leppard who knows one way to rock. You know, same yeah. way I put it. There's only one way to rock, and that's the one Def Leppard knows. So now they're like, oh, we need to do this album where we fit in and we contemporize. I don't think it's that they didn't commit to it as much as they just don't know how. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. And they've none of and I mean none of them. It's not like one or two guys nailed it. It's not like Joe Elliott's writing these amazing self, you know, introspective lyrics and you know, it's just Phil Collins just can't get the solo down. No, I mean, they're all like, I don't know what to do here. But when you look mm. at this, the fact that Bruce Kulick played probably about 70% of the guitars and bass on that album, and Bruce Kulick is an extraordinarily talented player who has done so many different things, he could play yeah. music. So... Yeah these guys can't and I, I don't like you know I don't like it when bands try to fit in necessarily unless that's what they yeah. do like I choose to believe that Metallica didn't make load in order to fit in I choose to believe what Lars said that they were just listening to a lot of Deep Purple at that point in time in their lives which mm -hmm. is basically Deep Purple and Black Sabbath played by guys that don't play as well as those guys <laughs> so but we're, it's, and again, I want to go back to, we are at the tail end of the grunge era. Mm -hmm. Nirvana's gone. Foo Fighters are about to, about to blow up. No, Foo Fighters had blown up. Because I saw the Foo Fighters on their first tour in 1995, about four months before their first album came out. Mm -hmm. And... You know, Chili Peppers are about to bring in... No, they had just brought in... Dave, Dave Navarro. And Alice... So Alice in Chains was doing Jar of... Uh, no, the one with the dog. Uh, That's just it's called self-title. It's just Alice in Chains. Yeah, the third album. And yeah. Soundgarden is about to do Super Unknown and Break Up. 
and yeah. you know Rage Against Machines about I mean all of these huge bands of the time that they're trying to get in with are all about to break up. Yeah, and yeah. Sunny Day Real Estate and Belly and um, the Cranberries are what's now mm. the, I don't want to call it second wave grunge because I don't think anybody's ever said that <coughs> was the next ever. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, we didn't do the last track before we get into the sum up. Um, Pearl of Euphoria. Did you have this one? I'm sorry, what's it called? Pearl of Euphoria. Oh my God. No, I didn't even know that. No, I, I didn't know. Well, it's got the. Okay. I just quickly want to say because this, this one was actually all right. Um, it's got essentially the drum beat from When the Levee Breaks on it. So if you didn't hear that, I don't know. If- no, I, I'm. Right. Pretty, pretty confident when I can say that I did not hear this song. Yeah, it's basically exactly the same drum beat. So it's that, that pace, that type of groove. Um, and it's got this atmospheric bass riff over the top, which you might like, actually, based on what you've said a little bit earlier. Um, it's kind of, but, but again, they've, it's a big 80s rock sound. Um, even the drums are just slightly, they sound a little bit like a big 80s drums rather than a more natural 90s drums. Um, it's not bad. I mean, it, to be honest, I think it lacks a strong chorus. It's not that great, but it's... Uh, but yeah, it's like Def Leppard trying to be Led zeppelin who I know were a big influence on them. So yeah. there we go. You, I mean, look at their name. Oh, yeah. You know, you, uh, yeah. Joe Elliott loved Led Always He always throws back to Led Zeppelin. I've never heard him say they were an influence... But I think we can all pretty much know that. And but this this album, I mean, the best way for me to sum this one up is they were trying to they were like the college guy at a high school party. And it just didn't work. And there is there. If if we're going to say, you know, spin it or bin it for this one, throw it in the bin. This is not worth going back to. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right, sadly. It's, uh, I mean, as I say, I'm not a great fan of Def Leppard anyway, so I've tried to analyse these tracks um, imagining that I was into Def Leppard, you know? Um, but, yeah, e- even with that filter that I've put on my own opinions, yeah, I don't think it's great at all. There's perhaps, I, I, I would say, check out that track um, that I've now completely forgotten the name of, but I'll just bring up. Uh, work It Out. Work It Out is quite a good track. I quite enjoyed that. Um, everything else. You've yeah. experienced the problem with this album so well. You're mm-hmm. like, you missed this song. It's good. You're probably going to like it. It's called this. And, you know, we're talking, we go 30 seconds later. You need to go back and listen to that song. Crap, what was it called? <laughs> this album in a nutshell for me is it it's never so except for oh god which one was it? There's one song on here that I find uh da, 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 da. Blood Runs Yeah, Blood Runs Cold. Blood Runs Cold is the only song on this album that is just absolute crap for me. <laughs> it was awful, but Everything else, it just never rises. It never rises to anything that needs to be heard. And it never lowers to anything where you want to go, oh, taste this, it's terrible. 
Yeah, yeah. That lost their way. And I remember reading an interview with Phil Collin and Vivian Campbell in Guitar World when they were doing the, the world the press tour for this album. And they talked about how it was stripped down and it was raw. And, you know, the quote I remember is Phil Collins says, I'm glad it's not the 80s and you don't have to do the Olympics on the guitar every song anymore. Okay. It's, well, yeah, that's true, but that's who you are. Yeah. And, yeah. and when a band, you know, this is like somebody switching teams in the middle of a game. You know, you're yeah. getting you're getting your butts handed to you, and then you change jerseys with somebody over there on the other side. And if you do that, the other side is not going to accept you with open arms. When grunge exploded, it made bands like Def Leppard look silly. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, there's not much you can do about that. As a band like Def Leppard, you've either got to just stick to your guns and, okay, it's not going to sell as many copies as that sort of music would have done in the 80s, but at least your fans are going to stick with you, probably, for the most part. Or you can try and copy what's going on at the time. But, I mean, if you're a fan of grunge and you've been told that Def Leppard are the enemy, you know, they're these old rock dinosaurs, then them trying to make a grunge album is not going to make you a fan of them. You just gonna probably have even less respect for them because now so yeah I, d I don't think it's a recipe for uh for people respecting you as having integrity so there we are I mean, but then again it's like they didn't even quite do it anyway they kind of stuck with their own sound for a lot of this anyway i don't know yeah it's and it they tried and failed to be grunge. Yes. Which is even worse than trying and succeeding to sound. <laughs> so what you have is this, this album that's at war with itself. And yeah, that's a good way to put it. In, in a way that, as you've said, and I know I'm stealing your point ever so slightly here, but with Kiss Carnival of Souls, it's like as an album in and of itself, it works um when you when you look at it within the kiss context you can see that it's a bit strange and doesn't really sound much like kiss but it works for what it is if it was a new band then you'd be like oh okay yeah this band they're all right you know whereas this does not work um on its own or within the uh Def leopards um context at all is strange whether or not it's Def Leppard is what I'm trying to say. Yes, and but Kiss has a great. Oh God, I had a word and I lost it. They, they, the difference between Slang and Carnival of Souls, apart from honestly Kiss doing it better, is that Kiss's album was never going to be released. So it's released yeah. later is this thing that okay, fine, you can have it. Where so that makes it look more like not credible, but it makes it easier to judge it less harshly. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Whereas Def Leppard releases this out yeah. in the moment and does the press tour 
trying to say all the things to get the Nirvana fans who are still crying about Kurt Cobain's recent death to buy their new album. Although I do believe that Kurt Cobain liked Def Leppard. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess they're a very influential band. I believe that um, Andrew Eldritch from the Sisters of Mercy, who I'm a big fan of, I believe that he has or had a soft spot for Def Leppard as well. So, you know, maybe I need to explore them more. I would suggest checking out their second and third albums. The first one, they hadn't found themselves yet. The second one is amazing. Third one, pretty damn good. And then from that point forward, they went, because I don't think they would have been hair metal necessarily had Rick's accident not happened. I don't think they would have gotten so deep into that sound. Mm -hmm. But they did, and it worked out for them because Def Leppard has something that many, many bands never had and will always wish they did. They had a Phenomenon album. They had Hysteria, which sold something on the order of 40 million copies. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Their takeout bill during the recording was over (laughs) $50,000. One restaurant around the corner because they were there so long working on it. It Apparently the album had to sell like 5 million copies even to break even. It's meant so much money. Crazy, crazy. All right. Well, I think that's about all I've got on this one anyway. I think I've spent myself on it as well. And I apologize for suggesting we do this one. This one was my fault. (laughs) That's all right. It's always enjoyable to learn about these things. But this was... Find out about... Heard it. I had never heard it. Yes. It was all brand new. Well, same here. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know, we listen to it so you don't have to. Um, There you are. Yeah, and with that, I will say to everybody, thank you for listening. If you are checking in with us for the first time. Hopefully my voice does not sound like I needed a drink of water. I needed more water. I went through it all too quickly, but I would appreciate it if you could subscribe and check us out the week after. Maybe you're here because Def Leppard's cool. Maybe you'll be here because Rubber Plant's cool. G Page, whatever. We are trying to move around and just, like I said at the top of the show, trying to introduce you to, to albums by your favorite artists that you've never heard. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. This week we lost. Indeed. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you. See you next week.